swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and anger a million people with our bad faith arguments. My name is Johannes. And I'm Raji. Today, we're talking about another film on that list. Sergio Leone's Western epic, Once Upon a Time in the West. Once Upon a Time in the West was released on July 4th, 1969, starring Henry Fonda, Charles Bronson, and Claudia Cardinal. Before we go to the new train station, I have to ask you to leave a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. We're pretty much on all of them, but <laughs> give us a thumbs up and uh, tell your friends about it. Um, give us some feedback. Tell us how we're right, wrong, good, bad, ugly, all the things. Yeah. But yeah, what what makes you happy today, Mr. Raji? What makes me happy? I think last week, uh, the last episode that we did, I came in swamping hard about how life was, sh- was pretty bad and how sad I was. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think it's a little bit improved now. We, uh, I'm doing much better this week. So Glad to I hear think that. that I'm a slightly more positive mood. And uh, generally speaking, I mean, the weather hasn't helped. But generally speaking, I think I'm in a good place. How are you? So happy to hear that. Um, I am happy too. But um, I'm the weekends are always now like experimenting, like trying new stuff. So uh, one of the things, uh, my first trip to the to the United States was in 1999 mm. uh, with my sister, my older sister, and uh, we stayed with this host family. And I remembered for some reason, like a week ago, I woke up and it was like. Their chocolate chip cookies were so good. I need to figure out what their recipe was. So I, I got the recipe. Interestingly enough, like that has gone now to two conversions, right? Because it, it was like coming from them and then was translated into the German stuff, but it was wrongly translated. So now I'm trying to figure out how to tweak it in a way that it's what I remember. So that's number one. That, that's kind of fun. Um, number two is I made hot sauce yesterday. And that's a fun process too. And that hot sauce is whoa, hot. it's really hot. <laughs> it's, it tastes it tastes really good. Um, and and the the remains of that, like the the pulp and all that kind of stuff, I dried that out, and I'm gonna make like a spicy salt kind of thing. That's the theory. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but that's the theory. So I'm kind of excited about projects like that. It's it's fun wow. to learn how these things work for me. So I'm I'm happy to explore all that. That is, I'm a big fan of hot sauce, by the way. Um, I mean, well, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of hot sauce, to be fair. But I say I'm a big fan of great hot sauce that is edible because you can go too far too quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think it's, 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 it's great that you're getting your hands dirty and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um, and if you're looking for somebody to try out your hot sauce, I'll always be, uh, I'll always be available. Well, yes, I'm yes, happy to share. Right. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, happy to share happy to share um because i, I yeah it's a lot it's, it's a lot <laughs> especially like in the indian spice it's like ooh, it's it's good a little goes a long way but um yeah happy to share we just need to meet All up right. um it is episode 50 and what people probably don't know we have never met in person <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> whenever i tell that to people people are like what how but you know, it's just you know, we we may be close, living fairly close together, but we never met up. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should be a goal for 
for this year? Yeah, sometime this year. I I'm a little bit of a hermit too. So I mean, outside of the times I'm riding my bike, um, annoying everybody with my loud music, which is something you're not a fan of. Uh, <laughs> generally speaking, I'm home writing code or just trying to write a book. So <laughs> I don't do I don't go out too often. <laughs> Raji is a fan of, of words that sound like right. <laughs> <laughs> Which also goes right. for arguments. He likes to be right. Um, mm. spe wow. Uh, speaking of arguments, we are talking about Once Upon a Time in the West today. You've seen this movie before, right? Uh, I see, this is not the first time I've seen this film, so yes. Okay. I've seen this movie before. Um, it's, it's an interesting film. It's an interesting <laughs> film. I'm curious yeah. to know what you think about it, too. Right, yeah. It's the first time seeing it. I, I think the music precedes this movie a lot. Mm -hmm. But it also feels like it's been reused all over the place. True. And then there's some key scenes um, that are pretty recognizable. So, all right. so yeah, so. That's, no, it's, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, let's bring everybody up to speed and hear a short synopsis. There's a single piece of land around Flagstone with water on it, and Rail Baron Morton aims to have it, knowing the new railroad will have to stop there. He sends his henchman Frank to scare the land's owner, McBain, but Frank kills him instead and pins it on a known bandit, Cheyenne. Meanwhile, a mysterious gunslinger with a score to settle and McBain's new wife, Jill, arrive in town. And we're back. So, now that we know what this movie is about, we should figure out who's arguing for what side. Okay, then I'm probably going to go with what my favorite is, and I'm going to go with Heads. Heads, he says, tails he gets. Mm, all right, so I knew it was going to be uh, eventually my my luck would run out. So what is your position in this film? I want to speak for it. Oh, wow. I, I wasn't expecting that. I thought <laughs> you were going to go and speak against this film. Um, oh, Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, then I, I will give you the speak against this film, I guess. All right, sweet. Um, and the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. I'm going to start with the usual. I'm going to give my props to the ladies and gentlemen who are and everybody in between who's watching this podcast uh, and trying to get an idea of where we stand in this particular film. So what I'm going to talk about is the fact that, number one, this movie has pacing issues. Um, I feel like the movie can drag on for quite some time. You know, the opening scene is a almost 12-minute scene um, of men who are waiting on a tr for a train to arrive, and and let's be clear, I watched the um the ex the the main cut for this film, which is about two hours forty six minutes. There's an American cut, which is about you know one hundred and about, which is much shorter uh, than the uh, than this one uh, than the one I watched. But I think that it cuts out some interesting vital scenes. Um, so. I'm going to talk about the pacing, which is probably one of the things that makes this movie a little bit hard, where we have we have periods where we're waiting for something to happen. And within that period, we're subjected to 
things that uh, don't carry the the movie forward. Um, and the, in the first ten minutes, we have a scene where a fly is on the face of one of the characters, um, and instead of batting the fly away or sma- slapping the fly, uh, he just sits there, uh, moving his mouth. Um, and as I'm watching this scene, going, when will he just slap the fly away, or? Another character who's standing below um, a licking ceiling, um, and he's just standing there as the stuff licks and licks on his uh, hits and hits his hat. And I keep going, why don't you just move to another position within that room? Um, But they do this for dramatic uh, scene setting, Um, and it's very, it's very, it could be very annoying. Uh, to watch scenarios like that where the story is slowly unfolding. It's kind of it's kind of like that. Um, so another thing that I probably would uh, talk about is that um, some of the characters uh, do not mesh with the modern view of how things some of the ways some of the characters are written and how they speak feels like it's written by somebody who doesn't know the characters um you know and you know upon i'll give you one example uh and i think my introduction is going too long um i'll just say this i'm going to talk about the pacing of the film i'm going to talk about how some of the characters talk and i'm going to talk about you know, the way the movie was dubbed, um, which which kind of uh, takes you away from the film sometimes. Um, so those are the things I'm going to focus on, and uh, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. It's, uh, it's funny how, uh, you know, you're, you're criticizing the pacing issues by having a very long opening argument. Um, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. We like to take our time. Uh, like Sergio Leone, you know, like I think the the strength of this film is character building, and what you call waste of time and and just kind of pacing issues are all used to establish character motivation, where they stand in the world, where they think they stand in the world, and we learn that they don't. Um, and that's all fine and dandy i think like the the opening sequence yes it takes a long time but the the fly thing is is coming from arrogance right it's a place of arrogance like i'm not like i'm not that fly's not worth my energy to swat it away you know it, it'll learn that it needs to leave my existence <laughs> so and and i think that person that character goes through the world like that until he doesn't and uh, so we, you know the, the opening sequence is, is fascinating because we have three people waiting for the harmonica character and we learn that uh, that person is pretty powerful like he can he can end three people's lives uh, even though these three people were set out to kill him and they were ready for it they were waiting in anticipation for 10 minutes for him <laughs> so I think that's all building character, right? The, the 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 established thing is we have this ominous Frank person that sent three goons to kill him, 
but uh, is not able to like they're not able to to do the job to finish the job so we already learned that the main character of harmonica uh is a pretty capable dude uh at the center of this however is a plot of land and a woman that is attached to this plot of land and what i find interesting about that is that the the roles are somewhat reversed. I would think for a movie playing in that time and for for an era that is like lawless, um, we we learn that there's more control coming into uh, something that used to be chaos. And the way we learn about that is we have two ultimately very lawless people, this Harmonica and Cheyenne, uh, that are confronted with a changing world, right? There's more more order being brought into the world by means of the railroad. And I'm happy to go into that kind of idea a little, a little further later. But um, so from, from a kind of thematic perspective, I think it's an interesting movie because we see um, culturally something changes. We see a woman is able to maneuver through the world uh, and has some power. And uh, she's not, you know, just a, a meek woman, but she's she's able to uh, exert some dominance in in the means that she has. And it's a it's a story about the struggle of the little man versus uh, you know company greed, and I think that's very interesting. All that is supported by a great cinematography and. The characters are all pretty pretty great and understandable. Uh, the music is fantastic. There's just no ifs, buts, whens about it. Like the music is really really good. And uh, I think th- this movie has been super influential. I think you can still see a lot of the the influences in modern shows like Westworld. Like that, that was the first thing that came to mind when I saw some of the shots. It was like, oh, they riffed on this uh, in Westworld a lot. And uh, it was cool to see. So it's an inf- influential piece of film with good acting, good music, and interesting story. All right. So <clears throat> I think that uh, you, you, you've got, you've brought in, uh, you've brought in a lot of elements into your introduction and I think, you know, I'm going to spend some time going a little bit deeper in, mm-hmm. into mine. Um, I think, you know, the movie opens, uh, I mean, we've talked about the movie opening uh, for a little bit. And we we see uh, the Mr. McBain and his family um, settling down. Somebody's supposed to go pick up Jill from this train station. Um and you know, there's a little bit of interaction where they're trying to kill some pheasants. I'm guessing, or, or I believe. Um, I think that scene draw, drew on too long. There were elements in that movie, in that scene, um, particularly that bear no resemblance to what we actually need to talk about in the film. We get introduced to the young kid. Um, we get introduced to the family. We get introduced to the the son. Um, and the daughter, who is very submissive, um, and the son is a little bit of a rascal. He's supposed to go pick up the woman. Uh, he's supposed to go pick up Jill from the train station. 
Um, and we get to hang out with them for about 10, 15 minutes before Frank and his gang show up and everybody gets killed. Every single thing that they talked about became irrelevant to the film. The fact that, you know, uh, the son and the dad had a little bit of a tiffle, uh, tissel about, you know, the death of his, of his real mom um, was irrelevant, but we get to see him slap his son. Um, but all of that stuff didn't impact the film in any way, uh, but we get to spend 10 minutes watching that. Uh, and then Frank comes and he raises the whole family and none of the things they talked about ever comes up again. Um, it's weird also, you know, where Jill comes in and, uh, this guy arrives in his Uber horse, um, and picks her up from the train. Um, and she's like, Hey, we, I'm going to sweet, sweet water. And he starts to laugh and mock her about, uh, should I say he starts to laugh and mock McBain for saying like Sweetwater Ranch would be an oasis in the desert. Um, and he goes in this annoying laugh, uh, that, <laughs> that actually grated on my soul, but it's like, okay, what is the point of this? By the end of this film, these people are fast friends. Mm. What did we gain from a situation where we get to see her mocked? Um, I also, there, there were a couple more scenes that I can go through, uh, that kind of showed this pacing issue. Um, because every single time we get into those situations, um, I mean, there's a difference between pacing in a suspense setting, which happened towards the end where, you know, um, where harmonica shut down, maybe the guy at the top of the tower, that, that was suspense. Good. But, you know, focusing on people laughing at somebody because of where they're going to live we get a long period of that and didn't move the story along. Um, so we definitely have some pacing issues. Uh, some of the dialogue is very interesting to listen to. Um, one of the scenes that stands out was <laughs> when Jill, when Jill was talking to Cheyenne in her house and she says, you can bring all your men over here and undress me and take me on this table. And I was like, what is she doing? What is she doing in a scenario like that? It kind of feels, um, I don't know. It feels very, it feels very out of out of place, especially given the fact that we we're she's portrayed as one of the more progressive characters in this film. She goes from what standing up for herself um, to being submissive to whoever wants to come into the room. Um, and you know, there's a it's a very interesting use of language. Also, like when Cheyenne was talking to her and said, um, "You remind me of my mom. She was a prostitute too. Uh, she was the biggest. I'm not going to use the term, but you know, basically, she was a sex worker, and every single man who goes in there was happy for an hour or so. Um, but I, I think I've I've dragged on quite a bit. I feel like I've I've made my points clear and how some of those things seem a little bit out of place, uh, how the pacing seems to be an issue. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I am curious to see how you talk about this film. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm happy you brought that up, the conversation with Cheyenne and uh, what's her name? Jill? Yes, Jill. 
Jill McBain. Jill McBain. Uh, yeah, I'm happy you brought that up because I wanted to point out that I, what I really liked is the, there's a lot of coded conversations happening here, especially in that, that conversation. Um, so Jill is a woman that is, has, has been a sex worker in New Orleans, right? And her, how, how I took this, this interaction where she said, well, you can bring all your men, you know, she is, that's more coming from a, from a, from a sense of power more than anything, I think, because she understands you know, this is something that can probably satisfy them. You know, I, I, I can choose to do that or they could force me to do it. But it's it's coming from a place where I have agency over this action. Um, she's doing that again with Frank later. Right. Like he's he he is there to essentially kill her, but she's able to not having him do that to her. Right, because she takes on, she's she's coming from a from a sense of power, and uh, she has him, you know, have some fun, uh, if you want to frame it like that. So uh, that's why I mean with her character is is interesting for that time because she's come. I saw her as a, a, a pretty powerful, pretty independent woman that knows what she wants, and she she got it, and right? she wanted to leave that life. But now she's confronted with a plot of land uh, and and being alone there, so she has to use anything that she can to keep in control. And one of the levers that she has is the, her previous uh, profession, right? And then she, it's not, it's not kind of coming from a, from a you know bad place. Like she's using that to control men. And then kind of exert power over them. Uh, so why the conversation with Cheyenne was so good? He understood her very quickly. Like he didn't do the background check that Frank did, but he he got her very quickly. But it, instead of calling her out, he's he's bringing up his mom. Who knows if that's true, right? But he's he's bringing her some sense of comfort because he's like, I'm familiar with all of this. This is, you know, like I'm cool with all of this because ultimately like he finds a woman that he, he loves. I think there's love in there, but then it's not returned at the end. Right. So, but you know, he's, he's essentially telling her in, in a very coded way that I'm cool with whoever you were, are, I understand where that's coming from, and that's perfectly fine with me. And I thought that was that was pretty brilliant. And this it's not the only time he does that. He has a couple of these conversations that are pretty pretty coded. Um, but we learn he's a smart smart dude, right? He can read the room and he understands like the whole interaction with him and harmonica in the in the bar, right? There's there's a lot of that as well. Whereas he he's very tuned to what is going on but instead of like being direct and calling it out he's he's finding some way to allude to what he's trying to say mm -hmm. and i thought it was pretty brilliant um as far as you know 
pacing goes, I think we're, t- we're taking our time. And yes, we spent a lot of time on the on the family in the beginning. That ultimately, none of them matter, right? Uh, like that's that's a choice. But what we learn from this is that Frank's people go to any means, even killing kids, children. Uh, to get the that train project done without having to fulfill the contract, and that's all all we're doing, right? We're, we're we're kind of drawn in by oh, this is the family we're gonna you know learn more about, and then there's the proverbial truck that hits them or the train, right? And we were kind of taken out of that story and what could have been, and I think that's important for us to learn about kind of the ruthlessness. Are we taking a lot of time? Yes, but that's life, right? Like people spend a lot of time doing things and then are taken out in, in a matter of, of a second. Um, and it's it's a great setup for the whole conflict that's dragging us through the movie. So I think the the time that we spent on, on character building and, and building the foundation uh, to the motivations behind getting access to the lot of land or, or you know preventing that lot of land being developed is is important for the overall story so yeah okay um i think you've you you've brought up some interesting points um i think that uh the point where you bring up uh what do you call it a sense of urgency agency uh, Agency, sorry. Um, do you feel that was portrayed when Harmonica um, v- um, physically assaulted her without actually saying anything? Um, it didn't. It wasn't. Anyway, uh, but I, 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 I know what you mean when when he rips off uh, the clothes or yeah. when you like. So that dress was was a morning dress, right? Like she she mm-hmm. was like that. Um, and so his motivation, like he didn't he didn't like yes that that assault, right? But he didn't um, go further, right? He ripped off her dress and kind of re- was a little more revealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his motivation behind that was he knew there were people around the, the property and he wanted to distract those dudes by having her wear more revealing stuff. Mm-hmm. He wanted, you know, her to be kind of the bait and then him trading behind and then being able to 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 uh, off them. Right. So I think and that's a good question. I think the she was not happy about that. Like we saw that, right? but she let it happen. Um, I mean, it's a good question. I, I'm not sure if she had a lot of agency in that scene. Yeah, I think that is a right. But I, mean, I think that led her to learn that like he doesn't have an ill intent. Right? He tr- he he set out to protect her. Mm-hmm. But she learned it after the fact. Like it it you know. Conversations would help. <laughs> it's like, hey, yes, I yes. know you're in danger. <laughs> like, let's do this. I mean, it's also the same thing was when she was taking a shower, uh, when she was taking a bath, a bubble bath, and he comes in and there was a bloodbath after that. Um, it's 
it's it's another scene where she doesn't show agency. Um and uh he just comes in, violates her space. Um for some for someone who you claim uh used her sexuality to get what she needed or basically showed agency in the scenes where there wasn't that when in scenes where she needed to survive. I think there are many there are many mm-hmm. contrasting scenes where she was just used as a, a sexual object in the say in this in this telling of the story where he could just walk in and everybody is captivated by the fact that she's in the bath. And when he interacts with her, all he does is hang her hand her a brush so that she can scrub her back. Very, you know, I mean, it's also a pacing issue uh, because her, because her, what do you call it? She doesn't really have um, any agency in that scene. Um, And uh, we are, she doesn't actually, she doesn't add anything to it. So basically, I do have to say though, go on. Um, the whole ending, like she, she, she grew to like this dude. Mm-hmm. There's a harmonica, right? So, I think at that point, it's already established that he's kind of cold towards her. Mm-hmm. He, like, he doesn't really talk much to her. Um, he doesn't really look at her much. I he doesn't talk like. much to anybody, right? Right, that's just who he is. Right, um, he seems he's ultimately he's just on a like deep revenge path, and I don't think he cares about. He didn't really care about her. Like he, he could have had her because she was pretty smitten with him mm-hmm. towards the end, right? To the point where, like Cheyenne wanted her, but you know she, she didn't like him. So <laughs> bummer. So, so I think the at that point she was already pretty pretty smitten with him and comfortable because she learned, hey, this dude has my my interests at heart. Right? He's he's here to protect me. Uh, the the bath scene is also coming from is following a confrontation in the bar downstairs or in the hotel bar downstairs that she left right, between Frank and Harmonica. So mm-hmm. she she's already. She, she probably understood already that there's this relative danger in the whole sense, and she also understands like this person is here to protect me. So I don't, I don't fully, fully agree that she didn't have agency. Like she, she felt secure at that point with him, right? Like and comfortable. And he, he, I feel like he didn't really care in what state she was in. <laughs> like he gave her, like he, as a matter of fact, like he gave her the brush. It's like, hey, here, do your thing. I don't care. But I need to, to look what's going on and, and protect Frank because I want to kill Frank. Or I want to, I want to be the, you know, at his fate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's, there's a tremendous, amount of power that she has and um, uh, you know for for a time where i think women are often stereotyped at being not independent and and strong and not necessarily having that agency she sticks out as having that mm. all right um i'm uh i think that I, i'm ready to go to the sidebar
<laughs> if you're ready to go to the sidebar too, sure. I don't know if you have anything you want to um, add to this conversation. Um, no, let's go. Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. Hearsay. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chamber. Stop Beaver on the witness. Arrest. We could totally be lawyers. Okay. Sidebar. It is. <laughs> um, it's it's very interesting. Um, this movie is quite uh, a tale of uh, a love letter to Westerns, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's actually Sergio Leone's uh, last uh, Western film before he does um, more films out of the West. You know, he did Once Upon a Time in the West, in, in America, and he also did one other film after this. Um but you know, so some of the production was moved to America to film some of the sets, including the the scenes in Utah. But a lot of the film was filmed in Spain, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but I, I feel like the couple of things, like I said, I, I don't think that anything that I said against the movie was in particularly disingenuous. Um, I think the thing the thing about this film is that at the very beginning you don't know what's happening. So yeah. you you you're focused on some very you see focused on scenes that you can't put a lot of context to, you right, and uh, then you spend long time a long time in those scenes, um, and you're trying to figure out what the purpose is, and there's nothing in there that tells you, hey, this is the purpose of this. But by the end of the film, when everything is put together. And then you reflect on what you see at the very beginning, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, and I think that's the true masterpiece of this film. Like the, the story itself, the way the story is told is where this movie excels. And I will say that the characters have great nuances, except from Frank. Um, I mean, even Frank had some nuances. He's a businessman. He's somebody who grew, he was a cold-hearted killer that wants to move away from that and wants to become a businessman uh, and, you know, stop doing that. But he's also ruthless and cold. But, you know, there are nuances to all the characters. Harmonica has his nuances. One of them I alluded to. He doesn't communicate much. He just rips women's clothes off for the benefit of his revenge. He's pretty one, one-minded. Cheyenne is probably the most interesting character because he's the only one who respects Jill throughout the film. Everybody else just uses Jill as a tool. Um, and the movie does a good job of reflecting how, um, how much of a wild west it really was. It was really crazy in those times. So I think the, the, they did a good job of that. In scenes where they, did, they didn't have, I mean, I talked about the pacing in the, in the perspective of like, okay, what is the fly doing there? Why is this guy standing in a leaking, under his leaking ceiling? All of that is all, all set and set and good. But the thing about it is those same techniques were used in the final scene of the battle of the movie where um, Frank and Harmonica stood side by side, the music playing in the background. That was a perfectly shot scene. The suspense in that in that scene was, was really good. So you now have a situation where you didn't understand the context of the film at the very beginning, but the things you didn't understand at the beginning of the film 
comes again to play at the very end and everything just works. It makes a lot of sense in those scenarios. Um, and I think because of that, I, I think this movie deserves to be where it's at. I think the 90... If you had asked me, you know, 30 minutes into the film, what I thought about the movie, I would give you a long list of things I hated about it. <laughs> but when you get to the very end and you get to know a lot of the characters, and this movie is a lot about the characters. Like, I, I brought up some arguments against Joe, and you countered that from the perspective of you know the full story. And because yep. of that, it makes a lot of sense. But if you... <laughs> Um, if you do, if you watch it at the very the very first few minutes and you stop halfway through, the character of Jill is not fully cooked. So a lot of those things don't make any sense. Um, but by the end of it, you realize she's a survivor. The move, music was great. The characters were were you know basically mimics of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, where the good is just a little bit better than the bad and the bad is just a little bit better than the ugly. So there's a lot of nuance. And I think that was one of Sergio Leone's real strengths, creating nuanced characters. All right. So I think yeah. I've been on my soap stool quite a bit. So I'm just <laughs> going to open up the stage. Yeah, I think, what do I think? I, I did like this better than uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. Interesting. Um, yeah, my husband was also like, "Huh, interesting." Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I cannot really put put my finger to it. I I do think the the way the story was told was a little disjointed sometimes, and we skip important moments in time here and there. And uh, it feels like we leave characters at some point, and then they show up again, and they're in a completely different state. Uh, case of point is the ending with Cheyenne. Like he he's going in. You know, trying to see if he can live happily ever after with Joe. Everything is fine. And then cut to the outside. And he's like, he's dying. <laughs> it was like, what happened? <laughs> right. And yes, he explains it. He's like, uh, you know, if if they shoot you, make sure they shoot you in a place, you know, where you die fast. But that came out of nowhere and yep. uh, that was great. And I, I I think this movie has a few of these, this came out of nowhere. People mm -hmm. like jump from, from space to space in a matter of like minutes. And that's a little convenient. Right. Yeah. But, and there's a lot of that with, with the railroad, right? Like it seems like when she arrives in the beginning, when she arrives and she takes the, the horse Uber, like they're they're crossing like Monument Valley for mm -hmm. quite a while. <laughs> like that track is is quite quite long. It seems yeah. like, um, but Frank's goons can can just move in and out very quickly, and all. That. So so there's just some some funkiness with the location of or the setup of the locations and the spatial setup of it all. The thing that cracked me up about this movie was it. A, a few times is when that harmonica thing is played and and just <laughs> because like i think it's it's great how that motif is like how we are told this motif is uh, is created like that's mm -hmm. so striking and visually like it's so famous and i i didn't connect the dots and was like oh this is where that's from i didn't even realize but just the the realization of like just imagine you go into a bar and there's a dude with a harmonica 
And it's not as loud as in the movie, right? It's just this quiet mm-hmm. little thing, like sitting in the corner, like, when everybody's just like stops in their tracks and like, <laughs> what is that? Is <laughs> hilarious to me. It's yeah. almost like a like a, a Saturday Saturday Night Life sketch. It's like, what's this person doing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or or like you do something and you hear this the the, the harmonica and you stop it and tracks like. What's going on? Like when she's alone in a house and wants to leave uh, or at night. It's just so yep. random and <laughs> like unintentionally funny to me. Uh, like I, I laughed a couple of times when it happened. Um, just just because I applied that to today and just how weird that would be. And it would not be, yep. it would not be a, oh my God, this dude is very intimidating. It would be more like, the hell dude? We're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, do it like other people and ride on your bike with loudspeakers on. But, you know, so the intention is of intimidation. What I got was, this is hilarious. But all that said, I think it's a great Western movie. I'm, I'm not a person that is into Western movies, really. And the few that we've seen now... They're all cool. They're all right. It's not something I seek out, but I'm I'm not sad. I saw this almost three hour long Western movie. Um, like, could it be cut down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we. I think your point that you had in the beginning, the ten minute opening sequence when they waited for harmonica in, on the train, um, and the the setup of the family that also took quite a while, um for something that ultimately is not that important like the intent is to set up the person behind these attacks and not like the actual people that are in them um i think you can tell that more efficiently but i guess sergio leone couldn't and that's fine (laughs) i think i think it, it speaks to the i mean um the respect he had garnered at that particular point. Um, and I think that the Hollywood studios were able to accommodate his excesses because they felt like this was the last one he was going to do. Uh, all the other movies he had done, uh, Fistful of Dollars, you know, The Good, Bad and Ugly, all those movies had made lots of money and been very successful for those studios. So they just said, you know, you have the latitude to do whatever the hell you want in this film. And he just did. And, um, you know, I think the movie is great. Um, if you had asked me at the very beginning, the first time I watched it, the first few minutes, I probably would go like, I don't know where this movie is going. But I think by the end of the film, when they put everything together, um, even all the imperfections that we talked about, all of that, it all culminates into a very solid film. It's a very solid film where, you know, it's a Western with very little dialogue, uh, an action film with very little action scenes. Uh, And I think the only thing it has in abundance is lots of suspense, uh, which they use to great effect. Um, And uh, he does a good job of deconstructing a lot of the myths and of Western films. Uh, There's no good guy in this film. All the characters are all uh, relatively 
bad, but you know, some are worse than others. Um, and I don't think we saw any good character in this film. Uh, I think the only good, the only really good character was the guy who was trying to auction the land, and <laughs> he kept going, "Are you sure you want to sell this land for just?" Five hundred or one hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, and he was like, uh, "We'll hold this as long as we can, but you know, I gotta go eat sometime. Uh, the, the Uber isn't arriving anytime soon." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the movie's great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I looked at the the movie cost an estimated five million at that time, right? in like sixty-seven or so. So that'd be forty-five million today. Like that's pretty expensive and and like while i was watching it was like oh wow these long lingering shots on film and developing them and you know like filming and it's not the first time like they they shot a bunch of takes i'm sure right so it's like all of that uh like there's money in this movie you can tell and then the locations are pretty pretty vast um you would not be able to film this in monument valley today i don't think Right, so they, um, they built whole they built whole towns uh, for this film. Um, yeah. You can see that in the construction. They had scenes where people were building a train line uh, for this film. They used a whole lot of people to make this film. Uh, one of the things you can give this movie props for is the fact that this this town actually felt lived in, and it felt like you could feel technology you could feel the future moving into those towns and i think you alluded to this point too that the old ways were leaving and the new ways were coming um and you could feel that the train line was bringing a little bit of law and order to the uncivility of the West. yeah so yeah. all those men were all those men were dying breeds um right uh Frank, uh, yeah, and Frank was trying to change, but he couldn't change because the West caught up with him before yep. before the train track could arrive. Very true, very true. All right. That's all I had to. Uh, next up, Rear Window. Hitchcock, I think. Yep. Well, one last thing I'm going to say about this movie before we end. Uh, is the is the use of music to convey the characters? Uh-huh. I think every single time the harmonica guy comes in, the harmonica plays in the background. Um, and when Frank uh, comes in, he, Frank has his own theme. Cheyenne yeah. has his theme, and it has to do with strings. Um, and Jill has her own string, uh, has her own theme, and that has to do. I think was the only one with voices, right? But the, yeah, and the, her, the, the, yeah, go on. No, no, and hers was the most cheesy of them all. Like, hers was a telenovela theme, yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing is, Frank and um, Harmonica have themes that are intertwined. So, at the very end of the film, the two were playing together, basically signifying that they were two sides of the same coin. Um, Frank and of oh, and the and harmonica were basically two people who have the same, are the same. Well, I've already said it. They're the two sides of the same coin, and they're very. There are lots of similarities between the two of them. Um, they're very cold, um, and they stay into your soul. So yeah. Anyway, that's all I have. Yeah. yeah. No. You, very true. And 
like as somebody who who you know plays music writes music it that was it, like the the timing of these are are very bizarre because it feels like they're kind of going in and out of out of being like synced up but not uh so mm-hmm. i kind of got a kick out of that that how how to how that that was kind of just showing character as well but anyway good movie watch it everybody i think it's fine um all right and yeah next so up rear window rear window well, alfred hitchcock 50 okay i was just gonna ask is it the alfred hitchcock version yes so, of all of all okay i'm just gonna give you this maybe i, I don't know if i should say it because i was ready to hug you for this film last year i said it i liked this film last week and you took it from me um but i will say that rear window is probably one of my favorite uh alfred hitchcock films and i've seen quite a few of them it's very interesting have you seen it before no no okay all right well we'll see i hate this movie it's really really bad uh we'll see where where i end up next week but i'm looking forward to talking about it okay sounds good and uh until then where can people find us they can find us on instagram um, Facebook and uh, the Twitter on at Movie Mistrial. And they can also find us on our website, moviemistrial.com. Uh, dot com. <laughs> yeah, and you can send us an email at contact at moviemistrial.com as well. And uh, yeah, leave a like, comment, send us an email, tell your friends, all those things. And you can, we also have a Facebook page too, by the way. So you can always go to the Movie Mistrial Facebook page and find us on there. That's right. That's right. For all you Facebook people out there. Uh, Cool. Well, you have a wonderful day, everybody. And uh, here for the next one. All right, man. Have a good one.